It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the St. Valentine's edition of the Monday check-in. I'm Damon Jensen-Heitman, one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. Delighted to be here with you on this day that we celebrate St. Valentine, which means what exactly to you, Damon? St. Valentine? Uh, Very little to nothing. So, uh, what did St. Valentine, do you know what St. Valentine did or supposedly did or... I think, if I'm not mistaken, his link to romance is that he performed weddings at a time when the Roman Empire needed single men to fill the ranks of their armies. Mm. And so he was subversive in that he was advocating love and marriage at a time when the state would have preferred to have people joining the army and not be married and not be constrained by those things, I think. And that led to him, if I'm not mistaken, being arrested and eventually killed as a martyr. Sounds like that's generally how it goes for those kinds of guys and gals. Right. And so we celebrate him on this day by buying flowers and chocolate? Sure, why not? Okay. (laughs) Though if that's the case, I kind of celebrate him on most every day of the year. By buying flowers and chocolate? Oh, by chocolate. Oh. That's why I say I kind of celebrate. You are a bit of a chocolate fiend, aren't you? Not fully. I can't say that I fully celebrate him on most every other day of the year, but partially. Yeah, that's why that's why I eat chocolate. It's a tribute to St. Valentine. Is that why you eat chocolate, Damon? Is that really yeah. why you eat chocolate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's a theological principle that I am <laughs> sworn to uphold. <laughs> Fair enough. At this point in my life. Now, this is the Monday check-in. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to have a little bit of a a conversational chat. We're going to take a look at at least some of the scripture that we will be using for the upcoming Sunday at First Press Hastings um, and have a little bit of a conversation about it, a little dialogue. It's opening opening bits, right? It's sort of taking a look and saying, I wonder what this means. Uh, I kind of know what that means. I have no idea what that means. And uh, what questions we might have in the text, what questions the text might have for us or for our contexts, and uh, and we kind of go from there. So, and then after that, we switch gears a little bit. We talk about life of the church at First Press Hastings, what folks might want to be aware of, how folks might join in as well. So, I think uh, I think it's my turn for the opening prayer. I think you're right. All right. So uh, let's join together in a moment of prayer. Loving and gracious God, thank you for your holy word and all of the various ways that it comes to us. Thank you for those who have studied it before us. Thank you for those who will study it after us. 
Thank you for the wisdom that comes forth from it, for the challenge and nurture that we find within it. In your gracious and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this upcoming Sunday, uh, we're going to continue on in the Gospel of Luke. This is a continuation in the lectionary readings. Um, we took uh, this past week, correct, was the Luke's version of the Beatitudes? Correct. Right? The, the, past the blessings. The opening of the Sermon on the Plain. Mm-hmm. And this is the continuation of Luke's Sermon on the Plain, which is a sort of a parallel to the Sermon on the Mount that we read in the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah. Uh, so this is Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 38. Uh, it reads something like this. Uh, this is Jesus speaking it's in the middle of his sermon. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes... uh, Sorry, I got distracted by highlighting. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you'll be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge. And you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Here ends this reading. Craig, what do you got? I was thinking... This is called the Sermon on the Plain, and it's a parallel to the Sermon on the Mount. So this is Jesus preaching a sermon. Yeah. Do do I need to do anything besides just stand up and read it? I mean, this is a sermon. Yeah, there may be some context that maybe might we might want to. I could I could provide some context and then mm-hmm. just just preach it, preacher. I mean. How can I compete with Jesus' sermon? I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't think that we need to think of it as competing with <laughs> Jesus' sermon. Uh, maybe well, how so can much. I even compare to Jesus? <laughs> I mean, you say preach it, preacher, but this is this is this is the stuff. This is it. Jesus just just doesn't let up, and and so I, I just need to channel. Christ and speak these words from the pulpit, and I think I'm 
I'm done. Okay. Well, it's going to be a short episode this week, a, everybody. A question, though. <laughs> um, like, and I'm going to chain, take off my, uh, my fuzzy background here because I need this for uh, those who are watching on YouTube. Is, is, there, is there finger waggling in this sermon? Um, I guess, uh, well, how do you mean? Is Jesus waggling his finger at his disciples as he says these words in the Sermon on the Plain? But I say to you, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Um, I don't, I, I don't, I guess I don't in, take it as finger waggling, wagging, waggling. It's probably wagging. I don't know. Did I make it's up a new word? Shaking one's finger at another's direction. Um, because I, I... It's wagging, not waggling. <laughs> but, I, uh, but, I, but I say to you that, listen, right? Um, he acknowledges that they're already listening, right? Uh, and he acknowledges that what he's about to say to them is different than what most everybody else is going to say to them or what they may be saying to themselves, perhaps, right? Um, and I think, so one of the things that I oftentimes think about when I come to this passage, like the love your enemies, do, those, do good to those who hate you, Um I think we have to think about whether whether we're the enemy or not, right? Like, I, th- I think the folks that Jesus, folks that hear that Jesus is is addressing, have enemies, obvious enemies, right? And I think of people historically or currently who have obvious enemies, um, folks who found themselves in enslavement, for example, right? that that's the the master is their enemy right <laughs> um i have people that um, maybe probably i'm sure there are people who don't really care for me all that much <laughs> right um but i am not aware of anyone who's really actively seeking out my destruction um and and so, so then I come back to this passage. Like, oh, like maybe this passage isn't really for me. Maybe it's for someone else. Um, and I, I think I'm not sure if I'm really explaining this well enough or not. But there's like, we got to be careful. I think about because um, you could take this and like make somebody into your enemy with it pretty quickly, um, even when they're really not an enemy. Right. You just have a difference of opinion. <laughs> yeah, but we've come to a point in our culture, in our society, where just having a difference of opinion, we're, we're being conditioned to perceive that person as our enemy. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying those aren't really enemies. You know? We're being told that they are and we're being taught to treat them as such. And so doesn't that still apply here? I don't know. Like it doesn't say here, 
There's an interesting contrast um, between the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain because, and has something to do, you talked about the importance of context. If I was to stand up and just read this as a sermon um, and the context to, to who Jesus was speaking to and who the particular gospel writer was writing to, right? And so we know generally speaking in Matthew, that is written to a Jewish audience. And so this same or this parallel passage in Matthew, when we get to this section of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus references the Old Testament before he makes each of these proclamations. So he says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You have heard it said, and then he goes through. So in the Matthew, he quotes um, a misinterpreted section of the Old Testament, or perhaps not misinterpreted, just a section of the Old Testament, and then flips it on its head and says, but I say to you this. And so this starts with, but I say to you that, listen, in Matthew, he goes through each one of these and offers a saying or a portion of the Old Testament and then flips it and says, but this is actually what it's about, folks. And here in Luke, all he does is go straight to the, this is what it's about, folks. He doesn't reference. So he cuts straight to the quick, kind of a more direct style, very similar to what we experienced when we contrasted the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount to the Beatitudes and woes of the Sermon on the Plain. Um, and so who is Jesus speaking to and who is Luke writing to when he records this particular sermon why are we skipping over the, you've heard it said, but I say to you, and going straight to the, this is what it is. Don't, aren't, don't some versions of this, um, uh, even uh, if you do good to those who did you, what credit is that for even sinners do the same? Doesn't some ever say for even Gentiles do the same? I think, are we interchanging Gentiles and sinners? Well, maybe a different version uses a different word, but that's Luke six thirty three. I can tell you. Hold on, just a second. Mm-hmm. Suspense. suspense. No, this is not. This is all sinners. There's no Gentiles here. You're just looking up the Greek. Um, I looked done? up the Greek and now I'm looking up uh, all of the translations, all the English translations parallel, and all of them say sinners. There's, there's somewhere where it's like, for even maybe it's Paul. I don't know. Nah, I don't know if it's Paul. Paul wouldn't really write that. Somebody offers a similar sentiment, uh, says, for even, even Gentiles do that. I'm pretty right. sure. But in this case, Luke is probably speaking to Gentiles. That's kind of what we know that biblical scholars tell us about the gospel of Luke, that it's written more towards the, not the Jewish converts to Christianity or the Jewish people, but instead it's written to the the Gentiles. And so in that case, that's part of the reason Luke wouldn't necessarily be referencing the Old Testament, right? Um, Sure, I guess, maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. That would make some sense. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, 
Okay, so, and like, okay, to go back to my thing about the enemies and not having enemies, <laughs> I think if I think if, if we tell folks love your enemies when they don't really have enemies, is still reaffirming that actually you do have enemies, right? And I and I think the danger in that is that it can lead to a like a false sense of superiority. Right, because telling someone to love your enemies affirms that they have enemies. Okay, right? and if you have an enemy, your your natural inclination is well, I'm better than them. Right, I'm more correct than they are, in one way, shape, or form. And I and I can love them. That's that's fine. I can do that, and I can do that in part because I'm better than them. So you're concerned about you know the misappropriation of the term enemies in this particular passage that it could lead to a lack of humility. Yeah. Huh. Okay. See what I'm saying? <laughs> when I, mean, I think that there are genuine instances in the world of people actively attempting to do harm to one another. Right. But that the, in the case, it's, it's the persecution complex, right? We think we are persecuted. We think we have all these enemies out there when in reality, right. a difference of opinion does not actually mean mm-hmm. that we're enemies. It just means we have a difference of opinion. So how would you counteract that? Or how would you say this scripture speaks to that? Or are you just pointing that out? I'm just pointing it out. I'm saying I think that that's a danger in this passage. I see. You know? So let's be, let's be careful. Yeah. There's no need to run around <laughs> and act like you have enemies when you really don't have enemies. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of physical cheek striking occurring. Not to me. But should we think of that metaphorically or do we leave that for the literal? If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Well, we should probably think of it as both, right? Okay. I think in the context, it was literal for sure, right? Um, uh, and I think there's probably places and instances where it is literal, right? And I think it's metaphorical. And I think that we should think about, are we the ones receiving the strike or are we the ones giving the strike? whether we know it or not, I think is, is important. So what do we do with the striker? Because I think you're saying we often put ourselves in the mode of being the strikey. Yes. We're the ones. We put ourselves, we're the heroes of the story. And this is part of the reason that Damon and I both wear beards because it, it, insulates it softens the strike a little bit so that when i turn my other cheek no (laughs) no that's not why that's not why we no okay (laughs) so what's the advice then in here for the the strike grr stop striking people okay 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, I think there's there's also a way of, of looking at this as a, as a mode of resistance um, to violence, right? Um, perhaps a, a nonviolent resistance to oppression, um, that sort of a thing. Um, yeah, there's the thing about the, my understanding, the thing about, you know, some of the person who was most likely to take the, your coat at the time would have been a Roman soldier mm-hmm. uh, who would have been understood to be a foreign occupying force. Uh, and so, uh, they, they took your coat, which apparently they could do, and you gave them your shirt as well, then that would leave you naked or close to naked. Uh, and the thought being that that really should embarrass them uh, or point out the atrocity that is that is taking place in the situation. Um, yeah, I th- th- this seems to me to be written to a community that's experiencing some sort of some sort of oppression against themselves, right? Which and so, I, which I, I don't experience. So you're saying there's not necessarily relevance to those of us who are not experiencing persecution or oppression in this passage of the Sermon on the Plain. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's how I would tend to go. Others would tend to go other directions. Interesting. You you and I have very different perceptions of the scripture and the call that it places <laughs> on our lives. Huh. We may need to talk more about this. I, I, I <laughs> no, I, I want to, like, I, I think I understand where you're coming from, but if that's the case, then, then what? Right. If that's the case, then what does this have to say to us? Well, if that's the case, then I think that part of it would be like, maybe we should be kind of embarrassed by the fact that there are haves and have nots in the world. Uh, and, and, and maybe we should take steps to alleviate those sorts of things. Right? Uh, and, and if we see places in the world where people are taking coats from others or where people are striking others, then maybe we should work to stop that. Okay. So taking ourselves out of being the coat taker or the coat takee and instead being an observer of that act and what's our call and how we respond to that act. Mm-hmm. So I'm tracking with you on your interpretation yeah. of this in verses 28 and 29, but then when you get to 30, now Jesus is speaking to the haves, not the have-nots, right? Sure. So 28 and 29, Jesus is speaking to the one who has their coat taken away from them. 30, Jesus speaking, give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask. So, and if anyone steals from you. Right. And so those are the people that have goods to be taken away Mm -hmm. and people who 
are a target for beggars. Yes. So a person could be both. Okay. So there's more <laughs> universality to this than Jesus could be speaking to the haves and the have-nots of this. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. (laughs) What do we do starting at verse 37? Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. And then the strange phrase, (laughs) a good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap for the measure you give will be the measure you get back. A good measure of what? Uh, I don't know. Some sort of blessing. I don't know. Do you take your blessings and you press them down, shake them together, and they run over? Well, it could be some sort of a blessing. <laughs> I mean, if it's pancakes, yeah. Running over with syrup, yeah. <laughs> good measure of those things. Pancakes in first century Palestine? Sure. Isn't that what, uh, isn't that what the, the prophet, isn't that what he's like, uh, fry up a little dough and a, he comes across the, I don't know which one it is, Elijah or Elisha, comes across the lady and he's like, oh yeah, don't take, so make a little bit and we'll fry it up in a pan. That sounds like a pancake to me. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Flour and water fried in a pan. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. The, yeah. The last, do not judge and you will not be judged. Part of this passage uh, gives me like, uh, why do you point out the speck of dust in your neighbor's eye and ignore the log in your own? Uh-huh. Yeah, there's definitely a, a sense of that in here. Kind of a kind of a feel, kind of vibes. Um, in some ways, it's just kind of a description of how our interactions work. Sometimes, you know, if you forgive a person, that, that they're more likely to forgive you. Of, you know, some sort of trespass or misdeed against them i don't know who's give who's doing the giving Uh, i feel like you've added more confusion to this passage than clarity over the course of this monday check-in david i think it's a confusing passage there's like eight sermons in here greg i don't what's that's 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 a true statement Mm -hmm. i think literally each one of these verses is its own sermon. Yeah. Which is why it's called Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, right? Which is why I just need to stand up and read it slowly <laughs> and pause after each verse and encourage people to reflect on it and then sit down. Yeah. I feel as though you did something similar before. With this? Uh, with some passage, I think. Hmm. 
don't know if it was this one or not, if it was this one from a different gospel or not. I, I read this. It wasn't on a Sunday morning in church, but I actually, I read the Sermon on the Mount when I was on the Mount in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, we were on the Mount of Beatitudes and we were gathered and preparing to take communion. And I actually just read the full text of the Sermon on the Mount to the church or to the folks who were gathered there. That was a really meaningful moment. Yeah. I mean, I mean, also textually, right, this, this little bit in here, I mean, it's, if you read chapter six of the gospel of Luke as a sermon by contemporary standards of sermons, you would not say that this is a good sermon. Because that's all over the place. Okay. That's <laughs> and textually probably because like this is like the pro the gospel writers putting s- different stuff together and kind of making it work and you know, here's some sayings, here's a couple of thoughts, here's some more thoughts. On and on we go. Yeah, he gets into some sermon illustrations after this, right? Uses some metaphors. Yeah. Like if you were teaching a preaching class, they'd be like, wow, why don't you pare this down a little bit? <laughs> you know, give us like one thing to think about. Yeah. So, yeah. so maybe I'll be paring it down and just preaching on one particular section of it on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's like a, there's a strong sort of like. Um, live your life by another way you know it, it, it goes along with the some of the reversal themes that you know from the beatitudes uh, blessed are the poor blessed are the hungry uh, not <laughs> the, you know the folks whose whose laps runneth over with pancakes um, you know it's a, so there's this countercultural sort of a thing to it as well. I don't know what you're going to do with it. I'm still trying to picture you eating pancakes out of your lap, too. Uh (laughs) Maybe we should close our conversation and move into our church announcements. (laughs) You've stumped me this week. (laughs) Hopefully clarity will come between now and Sunday. Um, I'll be leading a Bible study on Tuesday at noon if you want to join us for that. (laughs) And uh, you can add your insight into this uh, tricky scripture that David is now confounded for all of us. We didn't even talk about the bit where it's like, just give to people. (laughs) Just lend to people without without expecting anything in return. 
Yeah, there's an interesting economic system presented in here, right? Give to everyone who begs from you. If anyone steals from you, don't ask for them again. If you love those who love you, what? If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much gain, but love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. So there's, there's almost a whole economic system presented here, which itself is a pretty tricky thing to navigate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and certainly is an opposite of a consumer mindset sort of a thing going on. Right. In this passage, right? David, there's an awful lot that you've unpacked here for us. Um, I hope our <laughs> listeners at home might have some insight and can join me on Tuesday to help me further unpack this and figure out what direction the sermon is going. I talked about hearing like last week was hearing hard words and this week is hearing one another, but um, goodness sakes, I don't know which way this is going to go. Give to everyone who begs from you. Okay. That's a, that's a high bar. What if I asked the associate pastor to preach this week? (sighs) I think that he's already scheduled to preach uh, the week after next. Yeah, but that's shiny Jesus Sunday. That's transfiguration. That's easy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Even less sense to me sometimes than this one. Oh, all right. <laughs> we'll figure it out. So there you go. Let's all move into some announcements. Well, you go ahead. All right. Well, um, we are continuing with our worship schedule where we have our uh, contemplative Tuesday style worship service at 8.30 on Sunday mornings. And we, uh, we serve communion every, uh, every week with that. And then our traditional worship service at 10.30 on Sunday mornings. So we hope you can join us for one of those. The 10.30 worship service is also broadcast on Facebook Live and on the radio for those uh, who can't come in person. We hope you can join us for that. We had shared with you three weeks ago that uh, our session, the Leadership Council of the Church, voted to suspend events in the church with meals uh, because we were in the middle of the Omicron surge and we were concerned about uh, people eating in the church and taking off their masks to do so. Um, the good news is that the uh, Omicron surge has subsided and we are back to the levels that we were at in the fall. And so we are uh, back to allowing events with meals in the church. So this includes Wednesday Night Live. It would potentially include funeral luncheons uh, and Presbyterian women meals and really anything else that uh, involves eating in the church. So uh, we are back with that um, and we continue to hope and pray that our case numbers continue to subside so that we can uh, slowly add back other aspects of a normal life in this pandemic era. So. Uh, also on Sunday mornings, uh, Andy Springer just wrapped up a three-part forum series. Uh, Andy is a hospice chaplain, and so led uh, some conversations about death and dying and how we handle it or don't handle it, and the, the sometimes kind of surprising blessings that can come from accompanying someone through that phase of life. So uh, they, they just wrapped up their forum series. We had a slight technical uh, oopsie and we didn't get this last session recorded. Uh, so, which is too bad uh, because um, from the reports that I heard from the room, it was a lovely and wonderful conversation. 
But if folks are interested in the first two conversations, those are on our YouTube page. This coming Sunday, Dustin Bauer, who works for Encourage Advocacy Center, formerly SASA, is going to be present with us for forum. And he's gonna lead a two-part series that we have titled Interrupting Violence. So it's gonna be taking a look at some of the root causes of violence, um, all forms of violence, really, and also sort of considering or spending time sort of pondering, um, you know, how do we interrupt those cycles um, as bystanders, perhaps, or if maybe maybe we're unfortunately caught in one of those cycles as well. So, so he'll come and lead. That's a two-part session this Sunday and next Sunday. Uh, and folks can join that session via Zoom. We we won't be recording those sessions um, just due to the nature of the, some of the conversations that might take place. Uh, and also uh, they're using material that they have permission to use, uh, but it's copyrighted material. They don't have permission to record it and put it online for the world to see. Um, so, so we won't be um, posting it online. I think we do have permission we can record it, and if somebody just wants to watch it for themselves, um, we can do that. We can share that just directly with the person, uh, but we won't be able to just post it to our YouTube page. Uh, it will be available to folks, just not publicly in that way, if that makes sense. So, uh, and that's a two-part series that starts uh, this Sunday, next Sunday. I'm also going to start previewing our Lenten series, which is going to be led by Dan Deffenbaugh. Uh, he's using a book by, I believe, Amy Jo Levine. I don't have a copy close to me. They're all out in the workroom. Uh, it's called Entering the Passion, I think, of Jesus. So taking a look at uh, scriptures related to the passion narratives and those sorts of things. We have 10 copies of the book available at the church. Uh, so folks don't need a copy of the book to participate, but if they have it, I think that that will certainly enhance their understanding uh, and, and uh, enable them to participate more fully in the conversations. So, uh, and those will start uh, in three weeks, I suppose. So that's it. All right. Well, should I close with a word of prayer? Yes, please. Let us pray. Gracious God, we, we read your holy word and sometimes it confounds us. Sometimes it raises questions for us, makes us think, makes us ponder. May our ponderings move from our minds to our hearts. May your word enter into us and change us into the people that you would call us to be. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to discuss it, to reflect on it, to pray about it, to wrestle with the hard questions that it presents for us. We ask that you bless sermon preparation this week so that as the congregation hears these words read and proclaimed on Sunday, they can enter into their minds and into their hearts and change their lives as well. We ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. With all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.